0: Amen. All right. So I, I'm of the persuasion, and I know there's a lot of ch- churches that don't teach Revelation, and it's really a shame because the, the, the book begins with a blessing, doesn't it? All those that read, hear, and uh, keep the words in this book, God says you're going to be blessed, and it's been a blessing going through, hasn't it? It's not only a blessing, but I think it's a book that God wanted us To have an understanding of. In fact, we're told in uh, the book of Jeremiah, God says that if we're going to boast, that we should boast that we know and understand the Lord. And I think as we work our way through, it's beautiful, number one, that Jesus gave us an outline for the entire book. Anybody grateful for the outline? Chapter 1, verse 19, just by way of reminder... We've found ourselves in the third um, section of this outline and we are looking at future events, future events that are going to happen. This is not um, allegorical or some other mystical thing that we're reading about. These are literal things that are going to happen um, in heaven and on earth. And remember last week, we were last two weeks, we were in chapter four and chapter five, also future events. We see John was transported to heaven, and what did John see in heaven? He saw the Father sitting on the throne, right? These amazing um, angels or angelic beings around the throne. The church, the redeemed is also there as well, and we're worshiping the Lord. We're together with the Lord, and then in chapter 5, we saw some awesome songs too, didn't we? The songs of heaven, and we will be singing those songs, by the way. We want to learn those songs, And it's interesting, the early church, the hymn book for the early church was the book of Revelation. All these songs that are laid out for us. So beautiful. And so um, we saw the church um, gathered around the throne singing songs. And then remember that amazing scene that John sees? Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the Son of God, God the Son, goes up to the Father and takes the scroll that no one else was worthy to, to look upon, to touch, to take. Only Jesus, he's the only one qualified to take that scroll. I believe personally, my own opinion, again, I believe it's the title deed to planet earth with all of the contractual stuff that's written on it. It's sealed with seven seals and we're going to see those seals opened um, this morning as we study in chapter 6. Um, and so the church is in heaven before chapter 6. I think that's important to be reminded of. In chapter 6 through 19 is that period, again, known as the Great Tribulation or the Tribulation period, and the church is no longer mentioned on earth. Why? How did we get to heaven? Rapture of the church, right? The catching away of the bride of Christ, the catching away of the church. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back again. And receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. And we're told to comfort one another with those words. Is that a comfort to anybody that Jesus is coming for us before his wrath is poured out during the tribulation period? And so um, I, I love that because the tribulation cannot begin till the redeemed are gathered in heaven, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ and crowned. It's beautiful. Well, we're going to see with the seals, there, when the seals begin, there's three sets of judgments. Um, so there's the seal judgments. When the seventh seal is opened, another set of judgments begin. Another set of seven, the trumpet judgments begin. At the seventh trumpet, um, it initiates seven more judgments that are called the bowl judgments. And I believe as we study this book, it happens sequentially or one after another. They happen in order Um, And so the tribulation period, it is a horrific time um, that's going to happen. We're going to see that this morning. Um, It's yet future. Um, Again, the Bible tells us, can I remind us again this morning, um, that the church is not appointed unto wrath. The Apostle Paul said to the Thessalonians in his first epistle, the last verse of chapter 1, he reminded them that we are waiting for God's Son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And then Paul wrote later on in chapter 5 of Thessalonians, he said, For God did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we study this, we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions. I get asked this question um, quite a bit. Why tribulation? What is the reason for these seven years? these chapter 6 all the way through chapter 19. And and we see around us, everything is moving in this direction. But why? Why is there going to be tribulation that's going to happen? Well, number one, we're going to see this morning and next week, if we get to it, chapter 7, on planet Earth during this time, there's going to be a great awakening. In other words, there's going to be a lot of people that get saved. Amen. Thank you. A lot of people are going to give their lives... To the Lord, and it's tribulation, it's heaviness, it's pressure that causes them to surrender and to bow their hearts and lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. For some of us, that's what it took in our lives, didn't it? Some of you may remember, it took some heaviness, some breaking in our lives to bring us to that place of surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. So number one reason, great awakening. We'll see that today. We'll see that in chapter 7 and then a little bit later on in the book also. Number two reason is that God is going to remove, check it out, wickedness and wicked ones. In other words, he's going to fumigate planet earth in preparation for his second coming to this earth to set up his kingdom. How long is his kingdom going to be, be here on earth? A thousand, years. A thousand years. The millennial reign of Jesus Christ thousand year reign. And so, um, and, and, in with all of that, God will keep his covenant promises to Israel. That's so important. Israel, I mean, you can't take Israel out of the Bible, out of the equation. Otherwise you'll jack up your, 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 your Bible study, your understanding of the scriptures. God is not through with the Jew. That's how to remember. God's not through with the Jew. (laughs) In fact, the tribulation period, the third purpose of the tribulation period is really to break the stubborn will of the Jewish nation, of the Jewish people, that they would come to receive Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world, as the promised Messiah that we learn about in the Old Testament. And I told you guys to, um, to write down Daniel 9, to look at it. Um, Daniel 9 is absolutely crucial, I think to the understanding of the framework of Revelation. Um, In Daniel, you guys remember Daniel? Yes. What was his buddy's name? That sounded right. I heard Rakshak and Benny from a couple of (laughs) y'all. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? They got taken into captivity into where? For how long? 70 years. Thank you. They got taken into captivity God had told Israel, you keep messing around with the God, the foreign gods, sexual immorality and idolatry. I'm going to have to take you out of the land and put you in a timeout. And that's what God did. He took him out and put him in captivity for 70 years. And the book of Daniel chapter 9, what's so awesome, is Daniel is doing his Bible study. He's studying his Bible and he realizes, oh man, this is the end of 70 years. God promised to bring us back into the promised land, and what did he do? Did he break out the pom poms and start cheering? No, he was broken. He began to pray, to seek the Lord, to fast, and all of a sudden, what did God do? God dispatched a certain angel. What was the angel's name who came? Starts with G, rhymes with Gabriel. Come on, come on, gang. <laughs> Gabriel. Gabriel shows up there in front of Daniel. And tells him that he's loved of God. I mean, it's so beautiful. Do you know, you're beloved. Isn't that great to be reminded of your love yes. this morning? God loves you. Yes. He reminds him. And then he says that there's 490 years on the prophetic clock for your people, the Jews, and for your city, Jerusalem. Those 490 years are broken up. They're, they're, they're broken up uh, in a distinct division of 483 years and seven years. How long is the tribulation again? Seven years. So 483 years and seven years, it's broken up. So Gabriel says to Daniel, from the time the decree is issued to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild the city, to rebuild its walls... To the coming of the Messiah will be 483 years. So beautiful. I think it's one of the most remarkable, um, most amazing prophecies, predictions in the entire Bible. Because that decree was issued by a dude named Artaxerxes Longimanus. Nehemiah chapter 2. You can check it out later. The decree was issued and then 483 years later or... According to a dude named Sir Robert Anderson, 173,880 days later, who showed up on the Mount of Olives coming down on a donkey to present himself as the Messiah, the promised Messiah to Israel, Jesus Christ. That's amazing. Awesome. That gives me goosey thinking about that. <laughs> to the day. And that's why Jesus said, this is your day. You should have known. You should have known this. This is your day. And some of them did get it. Right? I mean, everybody was there gathered. Think about that. He's cruising down on the donkey, right? Presenting himself as the promised Messiah, not telling anybody to be quiet at all. Remember, he told people to be quiet a lot. Hosanna, save now. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus presents himself as a prom and he's bawling. He's convulsing, weeping. Because he knows that they're going to reject him. He's going to be crucified. And that prophecy in Daniel says that the Messiah will be cut off. And in the Hebrew, it means to suffer the death penalty. And isn't that what happened to our Lord? He came to his own, and his own received him not. He was tortured, crucified, paid the penalty for our sins in his life's blood. And what happened when when they rejected Jesus as the Messiah? The prophetic clock stopped pause. It was a timeout for the nation of Israel. And what did God do? The church began, right, with both Jew and Gentile. God is picking out our last 2,000 years. What's God been doing? Picking out a bride for his son. How awesome is that? But there's still seven more years left on the prophetic clock. When will that start? It tells us in Daniel chapter 9. The next thing it says is what? The prince who is to come, not Jesus, he's the one we know as the Antichrist, will come and he will, check this out, he will make a covenant or a pact or a treaty with many of the Jews, guess for how long? Seven years. But something's going to happen in the middle of that treaty. What's going to happen? You guys know it tells us right there in Daniel. He's going to break the covenant... That he made, because he's a con artist. Right. He's a scumbag. Right. And we know what happens. We you guys have studied your Bibles. You know. Jesus told us you should be, Matthew 24, you should be aware of this is gonna go down. If you've read Daniel, you know this is gonna happen. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul tells us what's the Antichrist gonna do? What's halfway, half halfway of seven years? Three and a half, and a half years. Three and a half years in, after the Antichrist makes this covenant, makes this peace treaty, he's going to break it. How's he going to break it? He's going to go into the rebuilt temple. Isn't that interesting, the rebuilt temple? That's going to take a miracle in itself in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount to happen. He's going to go into the rebuilt temple, stop the sacrifices and offerings that are going on at that point. And what's he going to do? Second Thessalonians, he's going to declare himself as God and, and demand to be worshipped as God. And he is going to turn and persecute the Jews. He's going to persecute um, Christians. And what's interesting is, as, as the Jews are fleeing, as they're seeing this guy for who he is, they're recognizing this is not the Messiah. <laughs> this is not the Savior. And what's going to happen at the end of the tribulation they're going to cry out for Jesus to come, the Jews. And that, that should be kind of putting some things together in Romans 9, 10, and 11 also. For us as believers, we shouldn't get too, too haughty about our salvation. Because why? Because of the Jews' fall, it has allowed Gentiles to come into the kingdom, Paul says. And our walk now with Jesus should be something that provokes jealousy in them, that stimulates them and and to say, Wow, look at the relationship they have with the true and the living God. Well, that's long enough. Should we start? Let's do it. And so chapter six, verse one, God's word says, Now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a with a voice like thunder, come and see. And I looked and behold, a white horse. He who sat on it had a bow. And a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, Come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. When he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. When he opened the fourth seal... I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a pale horse, and the name of him who sat on it was Death, and Hades followed with him, and power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beast's of the earth. And so some people say, well, that's been going on. Historically, we see all this stuff happening. We see stuff like this going on. What's happened? Listen, not on this scale. Let me just remind us, we are not in the tribulation right now. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> but Jesus spoke about these things that we see at this time we can see them now beginning to happen even more so with more intensity and more frequency. In fact, Jesus said deception, Matthew 24, deception will come, wars and rumors of wars, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, people killing one another, fighting one another, famine, pestilence, persecution, all these things going on. And Jesus said, when you see those things start to happen, it'll be like birth pangs. And you got gals, you guys know what birth pangs are like, Correct. If you had a child, correct or no? I was just there rooting ba- my baby on. Way to go, hon. You can do it. But the closer you get to baby coming, the closer we get to the birth of the kingdom, these things will happen with more intensity and more frequency. All of these signs that precede his second coming to earth. And so look at verse one with me. Jesus is the lamb, right? Jesus is the lamb of God, the only one qualified to take the scroll, to open it. Because he is worthy. He gave his life. And so John sees Jesus open the first seal on this scroll. And I think, just stop there for a second. Notice, please, Jesus opens all the seals. He's in control. I think it's good to be reminded of that this morning. The scroll is now open, but nothing is read. Because some people ask me, well, what does it say on the scroll? It doesn't say Jesus read the scroll. It just says he opened the scroll, and the voice from the angelic being was what? Check it out. His voice booming like thunder. Get over here. Check this out. And it's like we're looking at, you guys ever see movie trailers? Yeah. You guys ever see movie trailers? Yeah. They normally don't trail the movie. They're normally in the front, aren't they? You got like you know eight trailers that are super long. That's what John is seeing. He's seeing these things that are like movie trailers. With each opening of the seal, he's seeing a snippet of what's going on during the tribulation period. And he's giving us a heads up. And we just read, this is the four horsemen of the apocalypse, if you will. And so verse two, John looks and says, behold, check it out. What does he see? A white horse. In ancient times, um, in ancient times, a white horse represented victory. If you cruised in to your, uh, as a general into your city, you're riding a white horse, you're the victor. You've won the battle. And so he sees a white horse, and the guy sitting on it, what's he got? He's got a bow, but no arrows. I think it's important to take note of that. He has a bow, but no projectiles, no arrows, and a crown, please note this, a crown was given to him, and this is the Stephanos crown. This is a, a victor's crown, and so... That meant he experienced some sort of achievement, experienced some sort of victory. And I believe as we work our way through this, probably political in nature is the idea. And some people say, isn't this Jesus? <gasps> it sounds like Jesus. With a crown, riding a white horse. Isn't the good guy in the movies always the guy riding the white horse into town? Yeah. Problem is, in Revelation, and they say, look at Revelation 19 and compare it. The problem is Jesus is the one opening the scrolls. He's not the one riding the horses in these scenes. And when he does come in Revelation 19, oh yeah, he's wearing a white, he's riding a white horse, but he's got many crowns and that's diadems. That's all power, all authority. And when he comes, there's none of this, none of these things we're reading, bloodshed and killing one another and famine and pestilence. No, when he comes, he sets up his kingdom. There's no more nonsense. We've demonstrated we cannot rule ourselves. We need him right. to be the one ruling and reigning in our lives. And so um, notice what this guy does, though. Let's, let's break it down. He went out doing what? Conquering and to conquer. That word, nikeo in the Greek, it means to overcome. It also means to, um, to take control. So this guy is conquering And he's doing it not with force, because he's got a bow and no arrows. He's doing it with cunning, with scheming, with lies, um, with deception. And he's going to do it peacefully. And there will be peace for a time. Please take note of this. There will be peace for a time on the planet. But his rule, his leadership is followed by anything but peace. When we read about that second rider, correct? People killing one another. I believe, personally, this is the guy we have, that's come to be known as the Antichrist. And people ask me all the time, who do you think it is, Mike? Is it Macron from France? Because he has Emmanuel in the front of his name, and that means God with us, and he's not really God with us. Or is it Little Rocket Man? And you know what I say? I have no, Dude, I have no clue. I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. Yeah. He's the one coming for me. Every time I take communion on Sunday evening, like Paul said, we're proclaiming the Lord's death till he comes. I'm saying, Lord, Jesus gave his life for me and he's coming back for me. I'm not looking for the Antichrist because he's going to come in when? Well, after we're in heaven. We're already in heaven when he shows up on the scene. And so Antichrist, anti means not only against Christ, but also in place of Christ also. It's very important because John wrote in 1 John chapter 2, he said the last hour has come, you heard antichrist is coming. Isn't it interesting 2000 years ago the church knew about the antichrist coming and he said even now many antichrists are on the scene, many people that are opposing Jesus or stepping in instead of Jesus. And so John wrote about the antichrist Paul wrote about the Antichrist. If you're taking notes, 2 Thessalonians. He refers to this dude as, number one, the man of sin, the son of perdition, the lawless one. According to Daniel chapter 9, he's called the prince who is to come. In Revelation 13, he's called the beast. Isn't that a pretty fitting name for this dude? A pretty accurate descriptive title. He is a counterfeit. He is a counterfeit Jesus Christ. And during the tribulation, please don't miss this. During the tribulation, there will be an unholy trinity that is set up. Like we have our glorious trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. During the tribulation, there's going to be a counterfeit trinity. A counterfeit father with Satan, a counterfeit son with the Antichrist, and a counterfeit Holy Spirit with the false prophet also. And so that the Antichrist will be energized by Satan Um, Jesus warned us about deception. And and maybe you're sitting here this morning going, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. Can I encourage you to get into the Bible, to know your Bible, to test everything that you hear with the word of God, even what comes from my mouth in this pulpit, you test everything. Everything you hear. Don't take my word for it. You study just like I'm studying to show myself approved unto God. You study to show yourself to be approved unto God to get the amen of the holy spirit in your life and so this kicks off so verse uh, one and two this kicks off the tribulation period and it's going to begin with the rise of some world leader on the scene he will conquer peacefully he will conquer peacefully with cunning deception he will be a big time influencer lots of influencers out there right Big time influencer, uniting people together. He'll establish a global government, a global religion, or a religious system. He will bring solutions to difficulties and issues. People will hand over, check this out. People will hand over their freedoms to him. Where does it say that, Pastor? Daniel 8. If you're taking notes. I'm going to read this. It's about the Antichrist. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors have reached their fullness, a king shall arise having fierce features, this is the Antichrist, who understands sinister schemes. His power shall be mighty, but not by his own power, that's because Satan's energizing him, he, he shall destroy fearfully and shall prosper and thrive. And shall destroy the mighty and also the holy people. Through his cunning, he shall cause deceit to prosper under his rule. And he shall exalt himself in his heart. He shall destroy many in their prosperity. He shall even rise against the prince of princes. Who's that? It's Jesus. He's going to rise against Jesus. Jesus. But he and listen to this, how's it going to roll out? How's it going to end? That sounds so awful. But he shall be broken without human means. You know what that means? Jesus is going to deal with them. Second coming, right? Wiping him out, sending him straight to the lake of fire for all eternity. Well, verse 3 and 4, let's look at the next horse. When he opened the second seal... Jesus opened the second seal and John heard another angelic being saying what? Get over here, check this out. And what did John see? A second horse, flaming, fiery red, right? Galloping on out and the rider, what was the rider given? Permission, authority, power. It's granted to him to do what? To remove peace on the planet. So that tells us what? There was peace previously and now peace is what? God's removed from the planet. And what else is going to happen during that time? People should kill one another. So peace removed, and this time period will be marked by, that word kill means to slaughter or to slay. People slaughtering and slaying one another. And it's interesting because it says, there was given to him a great sword, and you read that and you think a big giant, you know, giant sword. It's, a, it's more like a knife or a dagger that was used when they would offer sacrifices, sacrificial animals. They would use that dagger to kill the animal and to, to cut it up and to clean it up. And so I think personally it's possible that this may be a reference to those who come to know Jesus during the tribulation. That end up being martyrs. We're going to read about them in just a moment and later on. That offer their lives as a sacrifice to God. And it's the Antichrist and all his henchmen killing them. And it correlates to what Jesus said in Matthew 24 people killing one another. And and man knows how to kill man. And I think we become so numb to all of it, so numb. And it's escalating all around us. Didn't, wasn't there just another shooting? Like 10 people killed? And I think it's important to take note of something here as we read through this. Notice it said back in verse 2, a crown was given. Then here in verse 4, and it was granted. And then it says at the end of verse 4, and there was given. Please notice that. Given. Granted. Given. Not God did this. You guys see that? Don't miss this. It was granted. It was given. Ultimately, what's the Lord doing? He's letting the earth do what they want. Turning people loose. You want it your way. Here you go. 2 Thessalonians tells us that the Holy Spirit will remove his restraining work from planet Earth. When the church is removed, his restraining work on the Earth will be removed. And think about an Earth without that restraint. The church removed, salt and light. The Holy Spirit's restraining work removed, um, when God takes his hands off, it's going to be brutal. You want it your way, here's what it looks like. Slaughtering one another, killing one another. And ultimately, yeah, God is in control, even though he's not responsible for the evil, the lawless deeds of men and nations and people groups. And so there's peace for a time, but now it's gone. And by the way, there can only be true, real peace when Jesus rules. Amen. It says in Isaiah 9 about our Jesus For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace. There will be no end. Isn't that beautiful? Listen, if he's not reigning in your life this morning, and you're wondering why I have no peace in my life, It's because you need to submit to Him fully and completely. To abide in Jesus. Jesus said, abide in me and you will bear much fruit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and so forth. If I'm not experiencing peace in my life, there's a disconnect with the Lord. I need to get connected to abide in Him, to be a man or a woman of prayer, be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds Hallelujah. through Christ Jesus. Peace is all in connection yeah. with Jesus. But there will be no real peace until Jesus rules on the planet. Verse 5, look what it says, third, third seal. So Jesus opened the third seal on the scroll. And what does John hear? The third angelic being saying what? Come, check this out. Look at this. And so John looked. And what, does he, what did he see next? A black horse. And what was the rider What did he have in his hand? Scales. Like a pan scale. You guys ever see a pan scale to weigh something out? And notice in the middle of the throne room, in the middle of the angelic beings, John hears a voice. A quart of wheat for a denarius. A denarius that was one day's wage back then. So a day's pay. So for a day's pay, you can buy a quart of wheat. Or... You can buy three quarts of what? Of barley. You'll have to work an entire day to purchase enough food to make one meal of wheat or three quarts. I don't know how far that's going to get you. But then you have no money left over for anything else. What does that mean? Food scarcity, famine, famine inflation you guys see prices going up by the way something yes. rampant up more intensity more frequency yes. famines cutting off of wheat. listen if you want to be wealthy during the tribulation period if, you're, if you want to be here here's what you can invest in right here wheat, grain, oil wine, I'm going to hoard it in my bunker and anybody in the name of Jesus don't touch And so, listen, famine usually accompanies war. I mean, look at Ukraine right now. All around the world, man-made famines, man-engineered famines. And at this time in history, it's going to be ramping up. People are going to be hurting big time. And by the way, I think it's just an interesting thought with this. That is another reason the Antichrist will be able to exert so much power at this time. And we got a test of this, didn't we? With the pandemic. You guys remember that pandemic thing that happened? Right. A few people made the decisions for everybody else. Did that ring a bell? Yes. How did that even happen? Well, we know it's going to happen on a greater level during the tribulation. The voice also gives instructions to not damage or put in danger the oil and the wine. Not only was oil and wine used for medicinal purposes, but those are luxury items. Those were luxury items for people. So what does that mean? These items are not affected. They'll be available for those who can't afford them. So there's going to be this chasm between the wealthy and the poor, the poor that are trying to scrape by, getting wheat and barley, and the wealthy, they're getting their oil and the wine. The wealthy will be insulated for a while, but guess what? It's going to be gone in the end. And by the way, can I just encourage us, if you're trusting in your money, your wealth, your 401K, your fat pockets, Listen, don't trust in uncertain riches. Trust in the living God. He's the only one worthy of our trust. Because that could be gone just like that in a moment's time. These people think they're insulated from all this. In just a moment, they're going to be hiding under rocks and in caves crying out. Oil and wine cannot save you. Your wealth cannot save you. Your portfolio cannot save you. Your good efforts, your church membership cannot save you. Only Jesus Christ can save you. If you're here today and you don't know him, man, you're going to be going through this. It's going to be heavy. It's going to be gnarly. The worst time in all of history on planet Earth. Jesus said there's no other time like it. Well, I can give my life to the Lord during the tribulation. Are you ready to be beheaded? Because if you can't live for him now, how do you know you can give your life for him then? Fourth seal. Jesus opens it. John heard the fourth angelic being saying, get over here, check this out. What does he see? A pale horse. Don't think like white or, uh, or translucent. This word in the Greek is like chloros or something. It means yellowish green. It's the color of death. It's also the color of leprosy. And in fact, it says the name of the one sitting on the pale horse is death. His sidekick is Hades. And so Hades is the unseen realm. Some of your Bible translations may say hell. Um, It's the unseen realm where the unbelieving, those that have rejected Jesus Christ, they go after they die awaiting the final great white throne judgment and from there to go to the lake of fire for all eternity. And uh, so, death takes the body, Hades takes the soul. And there's no second chances, by the way. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. And so, aren't you glad that Jesus took the judgment we deserve, the wrath that we deserve this morning? We've received the free gift from him. But this is heavy. Look what it says. Death and Hades, they received... Divine authority, the Greek is exousia, to kill a quarter of the planet. How? By sword, starvation, death, which includes pestilences, includes infectious diseases, plagues, um, and then by wild animals. That's heavy. And so if the world is approximately 8 billion, billion, I think it's somewhere around 8 billion now, a quarter, how many people are killed? 2 billion people. That's one out of every four are killed at this time period. That's all, isn't that, that's devastating, isn't it? Yeah. That's heavy. The death toll is unprecedented. And I shared this first service. You know, what does the wild animals mean? If there's a shortage of food, what's going to happen with the animals? They're going to come after who? Whatever they can eat. That includes people, doesn't it? And, and someone asked me, what about Fido? I don't know. You've been nice to him? <laughs> if you're going to be here during the tribulation, I don't know if he's going to, you know, finally turn and get mad. But it's heavy. Verse 9. As we finish out the chapter, let's check this out. When he opened the fifth seal, who opened the fifth seal? Jesus. Jesus. I saw under the altar. Whose eye I I saw? John saw under the altar. What did he see? The souls. He saw souls. Isn't that interesting? He saw the souls of who? Of those who had been slain. Why were they slain? Why were they slaughtered? Look what it says. For the word of God. And for the testimony which they did what? They, They held they were holding on to the word of God, their Bibles. They were holding on to their testimony, their witness to the people around them. And they cried out with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so John looks and he sees after this scroll or the, the seal is open, he sees there's an altar, and five times, we're going to read in Revelation, five times we're going to see there's an altar in heaven. And under this altar are who? All of these souls that were, that had given their lives for Jesus, that were martyred during this time period. And they were willing to lay down their lives. Not only was the truth in them, but they were walking in the truth. They were a witness to everyone around them. That's a, what a great reminder for us this morning. What would we be noted for? Would we be noted for our commitment and our confession? Our commitment to the word, our confession to the world with our lips and with our lives. Being under the altar suggests that they poured out their blood as an offering to God. They have a special place in the heart of our Lord. And I think it's just interesting to take note of in the midst of the madness going on at this time period, God is at work in the hearts of men and women. And again, for some people, it takes tremendous tribulation to come to that place um, of surrender to the Lord. Verse 10, these martyrs ask the Lord very reverently and respectfully, how long till he brings vengeance? And when we see that term, those who dwell on the earth or earth dwellers, it speaks of those people that are unbelievers that have made the earth their home. They're living for the things of the earth. They are not citizens of heaven living for the things of heaven or for the kingdom, but they're living for the things of this world. And notice they were still alive. They were the ones that martyred, that killed these people, killed these believers. They took their lives and I think there's something very interesting, though, we need to take away from this. Notice they ask, a, they ask the question and they leave it with God. You guys see that? They ask the question and they leave it with God. There's no whys. Why'd you allow this to happen? Why, why, why? It's, Lord, how long? And notice they know something about God, don't they? That He's holy, that He's true, that He will bring justice, that He will avenge, He will bring vengeance. And today there seems to be a real absence of of justice around us. I don't know about you if you see that or not. An absence of justice, a real longing for justice. And sometimes we can have a hard time reconciling how can so many ungodly things go on and, and they not be punished? Listen, God, God is going to sort it all out in His timing, in His righteousness. He sees the big picture. He knows everything going on. And I think a reminder for us today, God said, do not repay evil for evil. And He said, vengeance is mine. I will, I will repay He's the only one who has all the facts, all the details, and he's the only one that can bring vengeance or revenge in a way that is holy and just also. Because what about us? Don't we like to get vengeance? Anybody honest in church today? We do, don't we? You get poked in the eye, and what do do you want to do in return? Two eyes, right? Like the three stooges. (laughs) And what curly blocks it... (laughs) Who are the three stooges? Google it. I'm right. dating myself here. But we, don't, we can't. Fleshly, we take vengeance. We go overboard. And God says, leave that in my hands. Let me deal with it. You love your enemies. Do good to those who persecute you. Those that are hungry, what? Give them bread. Those that are thirsty, give them Water. God is patient. He's good. He's just—he's—he's going to sort it all out in his timing. And he will judge rightly whether in this life or in the life to come. Verse 11, they didn't get an answer, but they do receive a robe. I love that. God cares. He consoles them. He wraps them up in a white robe, which represents the righteousness of Jesus Christ. They're told to take it easy until the rest of the martyrs arrive in heaven. You know what that means? There's going to be more saved. There's going to be more that lay down their lives and God's going to take action when that last Christian is martyred. God has a plan and our job is to submit to that plan. Okay, Lord, your will be done. You know what's best. Amen? Amen. And, and God gives the best to those that leave the choice with him. You choose. Here's what I'd like to see happen, Lord, but your choice, you do it, Lord. Yeah. Look at the last couple verses. We'll finish up. Can we finish up? You guys good? Sweet. I wasn't going to wait for an answer. I looked when he opened the sixth seal. Who opened the sixth seal? Jesus. The lamb. And behold, check it out. What happened? There was a great earthquake. Anybody been in an earthquake before? It's gnarly, isn't it? It's most Californians from California. There's no control. Right? We're such control freaks. You're in an earthquake. You just you, there's no control. It's so, it's so weird. Great earth, There's three of these during the tribulation we read about in chapter 6 through 19, three great earthquakes, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And so notice again, John's using the he's trying to do the best he can to describe what he sees in this next movie trailer. And he's saying, man, the the sun, it became black as sackcloth. It became, became dark. The moon was no longer white. It looked like blood. And then he says, the stars, it could be meteorites or asteroids or comets. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth. How? As a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. And then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place and so the sky is affected the earth is affected the universe stuff is happening in the universe every mount the mountains and the islands are all getting rearranged these are real things this is not allegorical this is going to happen on planet earth and these are attention getters aren't they oh yes these are aren't they attention getters God does a lot of stuff to get our attention. Because of his love, he's not willing that any should perish. Look at the response of the people on earth. Last three verses. And the kings of the earth. So we've got leaders, politicians, the great men, powerful influencers, the rich men, wealthy, the commanders, military guys, powerful military dudes, mighty men, guys of CEOs, Every slave, people that are enslaved, every freeman, people that are not enslaved, what did they do? They hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? Whoa. So the seals are getting opened and man killing man. There's deception at the beginning and there's peace. And then peace is removed. And then there's fighting and war and bloodshed and killing one another. And then what happens? Then there's famine, lack of food, the rich getting richer, the poor getting poorer. People are scrambling to survive in all of this. And and all of a sudden, now what happens? There's all kinds of disturbances on planet Earth, big time, big time attention getters. And from the bravest to the least, they're freaking out. Every person, they've never experienced anything like this ever before. All of humanity, all of humanity is trying to find a bunker. They they were wishing they were preppers. And they pray. Notice they do pray. They said to who? The mountains and the rocks. Mother Earth. Fall on us and hide us. This is so remarkable to me. Hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne, that's the Father, and from the wrath of the Lamb. Who's the Lamb? Jesus. Jesus. Why? For the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? This is, to me, this is so remarkable, their response. Number one, they recognize what's happening. Is what? It's the wrath of God. The wrath of the Lamb. They recognize the day has finally come. Judgment has arrived. And they're not saying, God, help us. And we're going to see the more and more things ramp up. Many of these people will be dug in and they'll sin even more and more and more. And some people will cry out to the Lord later. But we find out that they don't really repent. And doesn't that happen? You guys remember 9-11? If you were were alive, 9-11? You know the church, you couldn't find a seat? It was, it was, the VIP section was, there was seating room, standing room only. And then you know what happened a few months later? Where did everybody go? What happened? And I know what happened. It was a shallow commitment to Jesus. The bombs were going off. We throw up a couple flare prayers. We show up for church. And then things mellow out because that's what happens in Revelation in 6 through 19. Man, there's heavy stuff, and then it lets up. Because in wrath, God remembers mercy. And then it hits the gas again for a little while. And then he lets up. And yet we see here they recognize that judgment has come. They get it, they know this is a God thing. How did they know this is a God thing? How do they know this is a God thing? You know, they had faithful people sharing with them. How do they know it's a God thing? How do they know it's the wrath of the Lamb? It's the, the Father on the throne. How do they know that? People are sharing with them. Like Noah, Noah was a preacher of righteousness before the flood came, 120 years. He was faithful because he cared about people and there's faithful servants of the Lord who hold on to the word and their testimony that are sharing with people because they have a heart for the lost. They have God's heart because God's heart burns for the lost. He's not willing that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. Not only that the Holy Spirit is convicting them of sin, righteousness and judgment to come. Oh well, people know, people know God. Romans 1, everybody does everybody does. The problem is they suppress the truth and unrighteousness, substitute God for idols. And then the downward spiral of their life, what happens when you turn your back on God, the one who created you and redeemed you and loves you. And we see that happen here. Sad commentary on the human heart, isn't it? A lack of humility and brokenness. Creation can't save you. They're crying out to the rocks, to the, the mountains. And you know, all week long, I was praying and going, Lord, I don't know what to, sh- how do we wrap this up? Like, how do we, what, do- what is God wanting to say to us this morning? Lord, what did you want to say to me in this chapter? I would say, number one, Jesus loves the world. He doesn't want it to end this way. He gave his life so it wouldn't go down like this to prevent this from happening. And they're saying, cover us with rocks, cover us mountains, rather than cover me with the blood of the Lamb. And you look to the cross, and not only does the cross speak of God's love for us, but it speaks of God's hatred for sin. We must never forget how wicked sin is in God's holy eyes. God hates sin. It's a big deal. He cannot ignore it. A price needs to be paid for sin, and we can rejoice this morning that Jesus paid the price for our sins. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. God is patient. His heart burns for every person that is lost. And I would say another thing is choice, guys. God gives a choice to every human being to accept him or to reject him. You will not understand God till you understand how valuable choice is. You have a choice. God honors your decision, your choices, no matter how bad they are. God honors that. He doesn't twist our arm. You know reading this as I finished up this week. How stubborn are these people? How stubborn are they? They see this happening, all this going on. And you know what? I thought, I'm just as stubborn as they are. What's it going to take for us to be repentant? What's it going to take for us to wake up? What's it going to take for us to come to a place of brokenness, like when we came to know the Lord personally? What's it going to take in our hearts for our hearts to be tender to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? God, help me. I don't want my heart ever to get that hard, but I'm looking everywhere else for rescue and solutions rather than looking to you, to be broken before you. And then finally, invest in that which will last. Things are not going to continue the way they are right now, guys. It's not going to just keep continuing the way it is. It's going to change. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, Jesus is going to take us out of here. And there's no second chances to invest in his kingdom. Are you investing in that which will last? What matters most in the eternal? Three things are eternal. God, his word, and people. Are we investing in things that are going to endure and last? Because this world, it's going to burn baby burn. Yeah. We invest in that which will last, and then we walk through the veil, whether, whether individually or corporately, into the throne room, and isn't it going to be great to hear those words well done? Good and faithful servant, in Jesus' name. Lord, thank you so much for this amazing passage. I pray, God, that we would take away the things that have come from your heart this morning, that my brothers and sisters would be encouraged and comforted, strengthened. Lord, those that don't know you this morning, would pause and